Hi ho, good neighbor. It's back, David, or in fact, it's David back with a room with a review episode once more. Uh, yeah, so another different intro at the top of this one. I tried something else that didn't quite work for me last time, so I just tried something else. Obviously, anyone that uh, watched Home Improvement should be aware what that's from. Heidi Ho, good neighbor, the catchphrase of Wilson, who always gave good advice. Uh, I'm not saying I'm giving good advice or anything, although it is a review-based show, but I feel like we could all be like Wilson a little bit more, and it would be good for everyone, I think. So we'll see if that one sticks, if I feel comfortable. It definitely felt better than uh, whatever it was I said last time, which just did not work for me. But let's try not to ramble too much this time. Let's get on with it. This week's episode is West Side Story. Now, I'm, I've got to start this by saying I'm not a big fan of musicals. I've been to a couple. There are some that are good. I appreciate them for what they are. I enjoy most Disney movies. There are a couple that the musical component of it gets a little bit grating. But all in all, they're not. it's not a genre of movie that I go, yep, I really enjoy watching these movies. I, I feel it's just frustrating, get on with it sort of thing a lot of the time. But... This movie, West Side Story, which I looked up, apparently there, Steven Spielberg's directing one that's due to come out this year, whether or not it still comes out this year, given that cinemas are closed at the moment, we'll see if that happens, but wow. Uh, yeah, the original from 1964, let's double check that before I get too far in. So what's it called, it is called... Side story. Sorry for this. I should have looked this up. Oh, 1961. Sorry, 1961. Close. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thought it was really, really, really good. Uh, I would, I would absolutely sit down and watch it again. It was a lot of fun. And for a musical, the songs weren't overly annoying. They were really, really clever and well written. I know that there's, there was one song that was a little bit frustrating where our Romeo character just sings Maria's name over and over again. That was a little bit too much. But outside of that, it, it's really, really good. And so I'd never seen it before. I knew a surprisingly high number of songs from the movie. And I guess I just forgot they were from it. But they're so well written and so well done. The The wordplay in them is fantastic. The I Want to Be an America song. Brilliant. Some of the lines and the delivery and seeing how it's done is so good. They're, they're just picking out so many good concepts through it. So, yeah, it's just a really, really good movie. So, for anyone that wasn't aware, it is based on Romeo and Juliet, which is, I've got to say, one of my least favourite Shakespeare plays as well. So, you'd have to think going into this that I'm not a big fan of Romeo and Juliet, not a big fan of musicals, this probably wasn't going to be a good good thing for me to watch no thoroughly enjoyed it would definitely watch it again encourage others to watch it but my, my big problem with Romeo and Juliet is I mean you've got also it, I don't think it holds up very well to a modern day era where Juliet really lacks agency to an extent but also the age there's obviously issues with age at the moment the other Romeo and Juliet adaptation the Polanski one obviously there's issues there uh, but the play itself it's just kind of boring I think 
it's just, okay, they used to want to be in love and they can't because they're told not to. In this day and age, yeah, that does happen, but I feel like it doesn't happen to the same degree that it's, and, and also it's just rich people problems. I mean, if they were people from lower levels of society, it's not a problem. They probably get married without an issue or they find a way around it. It was just so ridiculous. Uh, and, and the grounds on which they couldn't be together. I mean, it was a perfect solution. The prince has said, stop your warring, stop your fighting. These two families hate each other. And then, oh, this is exactly what used to happen. You would marry, you'd marry off your kids if you're a ruler to go and make peace treaties with other people. You have these arranged marriages and things like that. It was a viable solution. And there was no... And I get that that was the whole thing, that they, were just, they could never change their family's mind and that was the central conflict of it all. But again, like these problems, it just... I don't think they hold water, basically. Uh, I do think that there have been some good adaptations of Romeo and Juliet. Definitely Beauty and the Beast is one, obviously also based on the Beauty and the Beast story. But it's that kind of idea of star-crossed lovers. They're from completely different worlds and can't be together. Titanic, obviously, heavily influenced by Romeo and Juliet to the point that we have Rose and Jack, so R and J. I'm not really a big Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet fan. I don't think it's great. I think it's a little bit tacky. I'm not really a big Baz Luhrmann fan anyway, but I, I think in that movie especially, he overdoes it with the the symbolism, especially the cross. Just, we get it, all right, and it's done way too much. There are some cool scenes in that movie, don't get me wrong. I think the party scene is brilliant. Uh, the the Mercutio character is terrific, hilarious, but I I just don't think that movie is great. Uh, I think they kind of show the hostility really well in that movie, but it's not terrific. And as I said, the Polanski version, it's just hugely problematic to even use that. I think or to watch it, it's mm, yeah, not not good. But West Side Story. Terrific adaptation of it. Terrific, terrific, terrific. It's, and I think what I was just saying about Roman Juliet, you've got this, it's very much a rich people problems. And it doesn't really intersect other areas of society. It's two competing rich families. Wonderful. West Side Story goes way beyond that because it gets into a lot more, I think, modern gender roles, which was a really nice way it looked at it and, you know, it, it tried to give the Juliet character, Maria, in this case, some some level of independence and agency and capacity for herself. It also tried to make the Romeo character not too caught up with his friends. He was definitely different to them and he was much more effeminate and sensitive. I think that was really good. It's something that gets overlooked a lot and isn't done enough. But it also touches upon class and race because the, the people in West Side Story, they're from kind of not rich backgrounds within New York, it's really, really good because you get to see they they kind of justify why they're warring and why they want to compete for turf and territory and why they're kind of getting up to all sort of problems and their issues with authority. I think it's really, really well done. That instead of being kind of wealthy class, it's not necessarily lower class, but not wealthy people disputing these things. And the immigrants that have to struggle to kind of make it that would probably be lower class uh, in an economic sense, but no other sense. 
and, and then obviously you've got race as part of it too. So you've got these racial, socioeconomic, gender issues that are all being addressed with West Side Story that don't come up enough in Roman and Juliet. I mean, you don't have the racial issue in Roman and Juliet. You don't have the... Well, you don't have the socioeconomic largely as well and you don't really get enough of the gender exploration either so i think in terms of all of that it, it west side story is a vast improvement and that it just transcends all of those things so in terms of retelling the roman juliet story i think it's wonderful it it isn't the best shakespeare update adaptation i would say i think there's a couple really good ones the best by far in my opinion and i know a few people that would agree with me Others probably disagree, but it's 10 Things I Hate About You as Taming of the Shrew. Absolutely the best adaptation. Just, it's so well done, so good, so updated and modern, and still just a really, really good movie, even if it, like, you don't have to watch uh, or know anything about Taming the Shrew, and that's a good movie regardless. And maybe that says something about the quality of Shakespeare's work. But I think that when you look at some of the Romeo and Juliet adaptations, they're just not at that same level. But West Side Story, I think, really, really... You, you could make a case for it. Uh, so having never seen it before, it definitely is now, to me, right up there with 10 Things I Had About You as the best Shakespeare adaptations. And it would almost make me want to teach Romeo and Juliet to teach West Side Story if I had the right class for it. I think that some students would definitely tune out of the musical side of it because I think that's a bit of a problem that they would struggle to overcome. I've seen it when you just play a movie that might only have one song in it and they kind of go, yeah, can we just skip this? You know, you tell them no because it's adding to the story and you can come back to it later. But I think West Side Story, there's a lot and that would be the only negative I have of it because being a proper musical, it does slow things down. But, I mean, it, it covers the plot of Romeo and Juliet well. It's got really, really good characterization. I think all those other extra background issues that it comes up with are terrific. The performances are brilliant too and... I was amazed at how many faces I recognised because I thought, oh, I might know one or two names or things like that, people that are in this. But there was actually a few extras that have just been in stuff. There was, uh, I mean, a Romeo character is in Twin Peaks uh, as, a, as a much older man. So it was interesting to see all that kind of happen. But there was other, other faces that popped up and I thought, oh, yeah, I recognise them. And I looked them up and, okay, yep, seen them in that movie. So... Yeah, but the performances were brilliant. I think the the Tybalt character was really, really good. I, I actually empathise with him more than I have in any other version of Romeo and Juliet, whether it's the original or any of the other versions, adaptations, whatever. So our Tybalt representation, terrific. He was trying to basically say that I'm defending my, my honour here and it was much more than just... I don't like you because you're uh, a Montague, basically. It was really, really good. Uh, so the the singing was, for the most part, really good. There was a couple performances that were a bit meh. But the dancing, my goodness. The men outshone the females, I think, night and day. They were so slick and fast and just spot on with everything the choreography was good but just the execution of it was brilliant that these guys were just 
really, really good dancers. And I mean, in a, in a modern day setting, I really wonder if, you know, I'd like to see what Spielberg does if he tries to make it more R&B, hip hop type dancing, because I think you could do some good things with that. But the guys that were dancing in the 1961, my goodness, they could move seriously. And I think that's something that would get a both male and female audiences of students engaged, that they would look at this and if they could appreciate it just a little bit, they go, yeah, okay, this is actually really talented. And it kind of gets you through a lot of the songs, especially the American one again, when they're on this rooftop and you've got these boys and girls arguing about the different perspectives and the way they dance around. Terrific. It's just terrific. Uh, you've got, I mean, other famous songs. You've got I Feel Pretty, which people probably would know even if they aren't aware much of West Side Story. Uh, you've got the When You're a Jet song. There was others that popped up. I just can't even remember them now. But again, you go through it and you're like, oh yeah, that's from this movie. Oh yeah, that's from this movie. Just brilliant. Uh, but as I said already as well, the writing is very, very funny movie, not just in the songs. But they go to a war council and it's really, really funny. Just the way they kind of banter of it all is terrific. I think it was really, really good, really well written. So, I mean, let's get to what I normally get to here and talk about the teaching implications. If it's not clear, I think there's a lot. If you're teaching Romeo and Juliet, it's a really good modern day and it still is relevant. I mean, I'm recording this at a time where we've got riots going on about police brutality in the US, about their treatment of... African-Americans and black people. And this movie still obviously is absolutely relevant in many senses. So, you know, it, it's just incredible how relevant it still is. And so when you want to look at Roman and Juliet, and as I said, I really steer away from it. I've tried to avoid teaching it as much as possible. But doing West Side Story, in fact, you'd have to do Roman and Juliet first, because otherwise you it would be very hard to go from West Side Story to Roman Juliet. Yes, your students would get it a little bit better, but boy, I I would probably say I would do West Side Story with a class that's interested in that kind of thing. You'd have to know your students well to know if they could get through a musical that's a true musical and isn't just having some songs in it, because it's literally every couple of minutes there's another song. But you, if you wanted to do extracts from Roman Juliet, I could see a case where you could fit that in. I think you could just do the movie on its own at maybe even a year 11 uh, unit of work uh, as, a, as a critical study, perhaps. I think it could work. There's a lot going on. I, I think you could do so much. You could do the textual conversations angle with it, but obviously not a year 12 textual conversations topic. You could adjust it though. But just, there's so much going on. And I think West Side Story, as I said, is so relevant and modern still, even though it is 60 years old, uh, that it's definitely, definitely teachable in many ways. And so the concerns and themes and issues it raises are spot on, but you could do it then to also teach someone about Roman Juliet and what that represents for us. So I think there's lots of ways you could do it. I think the, the writing of it, you could really analyse some key scenes, the way some of the little uh, barbs thrown at each other are delivered just terrific. And again, if you've got kind of more of a drama-based or musical-based context or that kind of group of students that would really, really engage in it, uh, I think, again, that, that just 
doing it as the musical and looking at the musical elements of it would be brilliant. So many, many ways. And again, like I did with the Othello episode, you could really do a lot with it. I think with Romeo and Juliet, it, it's hard to do too much with character, I feel. And that's one of my other problems with it. You've got a couple of, like obviously Romeo and Juliet, the two you could do a lot with. But it's much more one that people tend to do thematically, which is fine, but it limits you with what you can do. So you have to kind of look through the themes, but I think West Side Story gives you more to do with that. And then you can look at how the characters overlap with these themes. Whereas in Romeo and Juliet, you're just kind of stuck. It, it really limits you, the play. So that's what I would say about that. I think it's, again, good opportunity to teach adaptation, but there's a lot you can do with it. Brilliant movie. That would have to go onto my list, I think, of 100 movies to see before you die. I'm slowly working my way there. As promised, I will eventually get an episode revolving around that concept, but I've still got quite a few to go before I get to that point. But that being said, I'm going to leave it there. As I said, I'm going to try to keep these in other episodes. I'll try to keep these to about half an hour. So I've pretty much said everything I want about West Side Story, just how good it is, and go and watch it if you haven't seen it. But in a moment, out of the week. Ad of the week this week is, once again, funnily enough, a bad ad. I should probably start to look for some good ads that you can use to demonstrate some different things, but it's way more fun for me to find these bad ads and just ridicule them. And this one was particularly bad. I mean, it worked in the sense that I remember the product and good on it for doing that because ultimately that's what this ad needed to do. You just wanted to like, look at the product, stick in my head, go, yep, okay, cool. It's had an imprint on me. However, it's not a very well-made ad. Uh, So this is an ad for Bailey's, which hopefully some of you have seen. You'd know what I'm going to talk about here in a second. Not that I'm advocating, you know, uh, in any way alcohol use, but in terms of this ad, it's just an example of a badly made ad. So you've got this man and woman who are discussing, oh, we've got no, nothing for dessert. And then they say, oh, hang on, let's see what we've got. And then they kind of show you and they put together in this kind of fancy Sunday glass or dessert bowl of some kind, ice cream, and then put some strawberries in it, and then hundreds and thousands, and chocolate-coated pretzels, and then say, oh, and to finish it off, pour some Baileys in it. What do you mean you don't have dessert if you have ice cream, strawberries, chocolate-coated pretzels? Sorry, the Baileys is not the dessert of that part. Those other ingredients are. Don't sit there and say, we don't have dessert, we, have, we only have ice cream. That is literally the dessert. Without the ice cream, the Baileys is not a dessert. This, the ad, just come on. You should need it to go the other way and said, oh, don't have a dessert. I'll just do a Bailey's and coffee. Like pick a different way to advertise the product. Don't say you have no dessert and then use three different items that could each be a dessert on their own. Chocolate coated pretzels, fine for a little light snack as a dessert. Strawberries, people, plenty of people would do them as a dessert. Ice cream on its own. Yeah, great. Flavor it with whatever you got, but it is literally one of the most popular, if not the most popular dessert around the world. What are you talking about? You don't have dessert. As I said already, the Baileys is not the dessert of that uh, combined ingredients. It is one little component of it that needs dessert ingredients. 
So that's the end of the week. It's a Bailey's ad that basically tries to tell you that ice cream, strawberries, and chocolate-coated pretzels are not dessert. Bailey's is. Yeah. Bit of a problem there. Regardless, as I said, it did stick in my head as an ad and a product. Not that I'm a big fan of Bailey's anyway, so I'm not about to go buy it. But regardless, it's just very, very poorly done. It, if it was for a different product, I would love to show it to, to people and just be like, hey, do you see a problem with this ad? So, yeah, look, if you, if you come across the ad, just pay attention. Just see what, what they put in the bowl at the end because it's quite clear they definitely had dessert. They just want an excuse to drink the Baileys. And if you just want to drink the Baileys, be honest about it. Say, hey, would you like a Baileys with our dessert? That's what the ad needed to be. The ad needed to be, hey, I'm going to make this dessert. Do you want me to add some Baileys to it? Sure, that sounds great because that's a normal thing people do. That's the ad. That's the ad you make. Or, no, I'm just going to have a coffee after dessert. Oh, why don't you add some Baileys to it? Done. There's your ad. Baileys do multiple versions too, I'm pretty sure they do. I think they do an Irish cream. They do, the, obviously, the normal one, whatever that is. And I think they do, a, is it coffee as well? They actually do a coffee one. Anyway, or a caramel one as well. I don't know. But regardless, they could have used all of those types. They could have made a much better ad. The same budget, all they had to do was just change the script and say, not not we don't have dessert, but hey, with dessert, I'm going to add this too because I'm feeling extra indulgent right now. Anyway, that's out of the week. I'm going to leave it at that. But just, I love seeing ads that just, a little bit funny in that they're so bad. So that's it for out of the week, Bailey's dessert ad. Next up, my recommendation. My recommendation for this week is Space Force, the new Netflix uh, show made by Steve Carell and Greg Daniels. Just came out in the last day or two since I recorded this. I'm only a couple of episodes in, but it's very funny so far. And I'll say it now, it's, it's really not for everyone. Uh, people would look at it and go, oh, is it going to be like The Office, which obviously Greg Daniels created. Steve Crow was a huge part of the US version, that is. Uh, it's a little bit more like maybe Parks and Rec, but a little bit more... There was a show that came to my head when I was watching it. I thought, oh, it's a bit like that. But then I lost it again. I like, I can't remember what the show was. Flashed across me just for a moment. But it's not like The Office at all. It's it's more like Parks and Rec. But the Steve Carell character, who was appointed as the head of the sixth arm of the US Defense Force, which is about space... He's not as incompetent as his, as his Michael Scott character from The Office, but he, he's kind of got the early season, the, like almost first season Leslie Nope of Parks and Rec, where he doesn't really know what he's doing. He just bumbles his way through things and they work out. Uh, I'm glad they made that change for Leslie Nope, by the way. She was much better in season three, four, when she was completely in control of things and knew exactly what she was doing. But yeah, it's got that incompetent angle that Michael Scott has but without being cringy, and he's kind of a bit funnier. It's very, very funny uh, as well. So the style of comedy is a little bit sillier, I think, and a little bit, people would say, maybe dumb, which is fine, but sometimes that's what you want. You don't want anything that's going to be too serious or too uh, 
witty. It doesn't need to be. In this case, it's just some of the characters are really, really funny. It's but it really doesn't have that cringe angle of the office, and it also doesn't have the dynamic uh, ensemble of Parks and Rec currently, as far as I'm into it. But it it does have some really, really funny parts in each episode. Or like most of the episodes are very funny. I'm laughing all the way through it. So that would be my recommendation. Uh, if you like that kind of show, if you like Greg Daniels' work, you'll probably like this. It's it's maybe not as well written as those shows, but it, it definitely is a one of the better comedies that's come out, I don't know, for a little while. And it's only got 10 episodes out. They're about half an hour each. It won't take you long to watch it. It's only about, what, five hours? Yeah, so, you know, you can kind of binge it pretty quick. Obviously, I haven't done that. I wouldn't recommend doing that, but you can kind of get through it pretty quick. And if you don't enjoy it after about four episodes, well, if you really feel like you have to, you can commit to watching to the end of episode 10 and it hasn't really cost you much in terms of time. It's, it's at that point, once you're four episodes in, it's about the length of a movie that you got left. Maybe a little bit more. So that's my recommendation for this week. And lastly, War and Peace in just a moment. <laughs> War and Peace, look, this is going to be very short. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't read it this week. Or if I did, I forgot what I read. I'm going to have to probably go back and read read the last chapter or two. Uh, if you've been tracking this, like I have, the last month I have been horrible at keeping up with it. I've read now and then some chapters, so I'm not like a month behind, but I'm behind. I need to get moving with it. I just, I don't know, I'm coming home and I'm tired or... I'm just trying to get through podcasts that I'm listening to. I don't know. I've just got to make the decision to just do it, commit to it, get through it because otherwise it's going to get around to November and I'm still going to have 400 pages left, I think. So I've got to get through with it, but that's where I'm at. This is the point of setting reading challenges because it keeps you honest and it forces you to kind of make that decision to stick with it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to read a couple of chapters just to keep pushing on with it. But this week I've got to get back into it. I've really got to read. I'm gonna I'm gonna aim to read ten chapters this week. Get myself almost not quite back on track, but maybe only a week behind at that point. If I can do that, I'll be really really happy. So, yeah, that's that's the aim for War and Peace. Read a chapter a day, guys. I can seriously set a reading challenge and force yourself to stick with it. I want to see if you can do better than I have because I got through about five months and didn't bail on it but started to fall down with it so just keep that in mind if you set your own reading challenges absolutely there will be tough times but have the conviction stick with it because i guarantee you'll be you'll feel rewarded i'm sure i will when i get back into it but that's it for this week thanks for listening uh hope everything's going better as we're starting to open things up and that people are still sensible that wherever you are in the world things aren't too bad for you i know when I'm recording this, there is lots going on around the world that's not happy, but find the helpers. That's what they always say. I saw that with these protests going on in the US uh, after, you know, things happening in Minneapolis, New Jersey police were marching with the protesters, which is great. That's what you want to see. You want to see the police kind of recognizing the problems that, and whether or not they're part of the problem in New Jersey is not the issue here. But the people are coming out and speaking out about it uh, if you look up Killer Mike, uh, the statement he made is about eight minutes long, totally worth listening to, watching him speak. 
make some really good points. So there's lots of lots of people bringing like I think hopefully we come out of this with the recognition that we needed to have you know 40 years ago and I think I don't think Australia's quite at that point but I honestly feel that we could have done if this could continue for a while and Australia could definitely join in with it because I think if you wanted to talk about justice for Aboriginal people and Aboriginal deaths in custody boy that's seriously just investigate that a little bit and you'll maybe be shocked because that's something I think that in Australia we've got to do better with and it's not just Aboriginal people but all cultures that are living here so yeah look look out for everyone around you don't be like just don't be silly be safe and hopefully you're somewhere that isn't experiencing as many troubles as other parts of the world and all you've really got to deal with is just a global pandemic and not other serious issues but boy these issues sooner or later they they were going to come up and here they are so look worldwide I just hope that we can figure it all out and become the best versions of ourselves and realize that you know these things they shouldn't matter but but they do matter because it's affecting people's lives but the sooner we can get past that the better because then the world gets better so that's it for me I've got nothing else to say about it that's it